What does it mean to be a disabled British Bangladeshi Muslim woman based in the UK? In this episode, Tasnim shares her stories of growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood with various identities and her journey in pursuing a career in the disability space. His story is about the importance of continuous self-growth and love. I'm Fumi, this is Hashtag Our Racism, and this is the story of Tasnim. So my name is Tasnim Hassan and I'm a disabled British Bangladeshi Muslim woman based in the UK and it's always evolving in the way that I sort of introduce myself so I would call myself a disabled researcher activist with a particular interest on the intersection of disability and race both in theory and in practice. So by theory uh, what I mean by this is that I'm currently coming to the end of my PhD which is exploring and looking at how disabled black and brown communities in the UK navigate their intersectional identity. And to delve into this a little bit more, into a bit more detail, the purpose of this research is to sort of shed light on our collective experience and an opinion. It's a piece of work that strives to centre disabled black and brown people through using qualitative data, so in that sense interviews, um, as well as quantitative data, so in that sense uh, questionnaires. And with this, my hope is that it can be, be used to better understand what matters the most, highlight our shared experiences, but also highlight how it's actually much more complex. And then by practice, I am currently doing a bit of freelance and consulting work where a lot of my focus is on how we better embed intersectional experiences, challenge systemic barriers and promote inclusive practices. So I've worked with all kinds of organisations that include uh, universities, local authorities, uh, community driven grassroots spaces, charities and voluntary sector, some with a race focus, some with a disability focus. And I've kind of touched on all various uh, various areas such as employment, education, fundraising and grant making, health and social care, as well as policing and movement building. And I think what I've loved the most, but also what has also been the most challenging, is, is that I really enjoy thinking uh, critically, thinking really deeply. These sort of topics can come with such weight, uh, challenges, and sometimes it's not the easiest thing to get into. But being able to make it much more digestible and more accessible is a passion of mine. And I find that I find working collaboratively and as a collective uh, really, really enjoyable. There have been points where it does come with its challenge, but it's such a privilege being able to work with different perspectives, um, supporting and empowering one another, and especially when it comes from a place of genuine care. And I also really appreciate in the way that it has played such a big part in my personal and professional growth, especially when we consider things such as COVID and the murder of George Floyd there's been a lot of change going on globally. It comes with its uh, labour, but ultimately uh, this has really pushed me to be more reflexive and to grow. Tasnim delves into the various obstacles and barriers she faced. I think um, what's really interesting now looking back at my journey of growing up is how much of my experience was shaped by a number of factors that back then I wouldn't have been able to put a finger on. 
So for example, I grew up in a predominantly white area, neither race or disability were ever really talked about, acknowledged or even addressed. Like, for example, early on, I remember a time where I would completely refrain from using my cane because I hated drawing attention to myself. I think back to the support that I received and how it came at such a point where it was very, very delayed or it took a lot to try and find it. I know during my experience, during my educational journey at school, there were a lot of instances where I couldn't keep up. I forced myself to see teachers in my free time only to realise that back then that I wasn't, you know, literally able to keep up with what was being said, what was being written on the board and so on. And at university, where I had a little bit more freedom in a way that uh, allowed me to be able to work in, in a way that was much more accessible to me. And I performed a lot better than I did in my early school years. But at the same time, I barely read from books in the library because libraries don't always provide an electronic copy. And if there is that option, it's followed by a lot of admin and advocacy on my part. And even during like um, uh, points where I've been employed there and there, um, I found that there was a time where before I got hearing aids, I remember getting feedback where I was told that I was being rude and not engaged in conversations. Um, and th that sort of feedback really stung. And that was combined with the fact that I was told that I needed to be more resilient, only to realise that because of my hearing, I couldn't keep up. Um, and I've learnt that, uh, I learnt in another role of mine about the UK government scheme called Access to Work that would actually fund equipment and more importantly for me, fund transport to and for work because public transport wasn't accessible for me. But I've also realised actually with the help of other disabled support networks uh, who, who, who actually pointed this out to me that I require a support worker in order to do my job. And I think... Just from the few examples that I said, what I really want to highlight was so it been it's so interesting about this is that when it came to, for example, the delay in the support and the delay in information, I ended up internalizing it back then as a lack of family support. But when we really think about the healthcare system much more broadly and how it's institutionally racist, for example, that there are barriers to accessing healthcare services. My whole journey of getting support and the right support at the right time was never going to be an easy process like it isn't so for so many others who are in similar situations to me. When we reflect on the com those comments about being rude and disrespectful, it's also important to recognise that racialized communities, especially uh, women, uh, widely speaking, have been associated to aggressive, difficult behaviours. And then when we think about the extra cost that is such a huge cause for concern for both disabled and racialized communities, it would explain the number of instances of why I'd avoid, you know, spending money on getting a taxi and end up risking my own safety, especially when we're thinking about the fact that I am someone who is visibly South Asian Muslim and a woman. Tasnim reflects upon what helped her along her journey in rethinking and addressing barriers. I think for me, the moment where it really, really clicked was in my university experience. I found myself basically getting involved in student activism, more specifically disabled student activism. And I found that 
although I had faced a lot of barriers myself, I wanted to do whatever I could to help alleviate some of those barriers that other disabled students may face in the university. And as much as I enjoyed my law degree and I, I, I enjoyed it, I actually found myself at university spending a lot of time dedicated to anything disability specific. And I found that if I cared and I was this passionate about it, then maybe this is the way to go. Because one of the opportunities that I had, again, recognising my privilege and being able to do this is I was able to go to national student conferences where I could meet other disabled students officers and in this space it was the first time um, bearing in mind I grew up in a very predominantly white area it was the first time that I met diverse disabled people. We're talking black disabled people, brown disabled people, queer disabled people, all kinds of impairments and, and all this sort of stuff, which wouldn't have ever happened if I stayed in the city that I had lived in and if I stayed in the university that I had lived in. And I think for me, being able to connect with people and see how our experiences, irrespective of whether they were exactly like you or not, I was able to see just how much our experiences are connected because we have all of this inter sectional aspect to our identity that we all kind of share uh, share a lot of things at the same time we all have lots of different kind of aspects to who we are and why, I sh why our experiences might be different but what I loved about this space was sort of the compassion that came with it and understanding about whatever barriers that I may have faced or why I was up against this and stuff like that and that's what I absolutely loved I ended up getting more and more engrossed in that at a national level that I recognised that if I wanted to do more about it I'd have to look to whatever research is out there and with research you can make things much more evidence-based um, and really be able to you know tackle the root of the problem but you know upon researching and looking and googling and all those sort of things you realize there's not that much on it and that itself lent itself to me taking a you know undertaking a master's in social research methods because I thought hey if I have the skills to be able to develop and create uh, create research related to black and brown disabled people's experiences we can use this research in a way that can support our community in a much more sustainable long-term way and then somehow along the lines, I managed to make that dream come true by being able to bring it to that PhD side of the thing, which is hopefully coming to an end. But in that in itself, I'm hoping that whatever comes out of that, we're able to kind of highlight data that proves this is our experiences and therefore things need to change. Taznim reflects upon the questions of how to embrace intersectionality and build coalitions. I think for me, it was um, there was a bit of a confusing journey knowing what terminology to use. I think in a lot of these sort of student activism spaces, they use this phrase black as a collective term, as a wider umbrella term. And what I really, really liked about that approach is that it brought people together. I think we live in a world, especially when we're thinking about that mainstream media side of the thing, that wants to divide racialized communities and almost pity against each other. But we can't allow that to be the case because if we allow that to happen it ends up weakening our overall movement our overall message and, and things like that so I'm always conscious that whatever terminology that I use that one has to sort of be accurate in terms of who, we, who we're focusing on because racialized community encompasses so so many things but also to the fact that we're working on solidarity with each other and I think that that for me is such an important part of um, of, of the kind of approach that I take and it's interesting I feel like a lot of what I've read um, when it comes to the race side of the things 
focuses a lot on like you know much more specific to the black experiences and things like that and when it comes to my own experience as a British Bangladeshi person with my parents who migrated to the UK in like the 1960s 70s sort of time what's been interesting is over time when we're reflecting on like you know black experiences in the UK I've asked a lot more questions about what about my own experiences as a South Asian person as a Bangladeshi person specifically in the UK because there's always going to be that erasure of knowledge or that erasure of uh, of voice and things like that. Luckily, we're kind of seeing more and more people being able to share their perspective, being able to share more books about this. There was literally a book that I came across which kind of actually focused on the town where my dad would have moved to the UK and that's the sort of stuff that I would not read normally and I love that stuff because it just really highlights that there is a lot to learn. I know at times it can feel like people may have a difficult relationship when it comes to their racial and ethnic identity side of the things especially if experiences haven't been positive but I think being able to bring it to that wider collective broader experience and really be able to connect ourselves more, much more broadly speaking were able to understand that you know my experience as a Bangladeshi person is going to be similar to another South Asian person who might live on the other end of the country and stuff like that and that's happened um, through my research I, I've seen a lot of experiences in, in that sense that there's someone in like the north of the UK who shares very similar to people in the south and the east and the west and I feel like for me when we see that pattern we know it's not a coincidence we know that we share so much in our experiences that there's so much to learn but where the problem is is because of the sort of challenges that, like our racialized communities face i.e. the need you know when it comes to like poor uh, employment outcomes and things like that especially in the capitalist work world that we live today uh, a lot of the pressures are on our kind of communities is about surviving and and it takes away the ability to be able to focus on what our heritage means to us to be able to focus on like the more positive and strong aspects of it similar to the race space the disability space also has certain challenges related to terminologies Tasnim highlights the challenge of finding collective terminologies and approaches that account for a wide range of experiences and preferences. It's so interesting because I feel like nobody wants to, or at least for the most part, wants to offend. Nobody wants to get it wrong. Nobody wants to say something that's bad. And in a way, I think that helps us kind of remind ourselves that the world isn't a bad place and nobody actively for the most part means harm and things like that because we've also seen similarities with what pronouns to use or how to know what terminologies to use whether you're going to use BAME or people of colour or disabled person or person with a disability there's all kind of these terminologies to use and I think for as long as you're open-minded and recognise you know why certain words are going to be used more than others why people might have certain preference so for example I call myself a disabled person but I very much see that as like that sort of collective experience of it um, and a lot of people aren't going to be as comfortable using the 
label as a disabled person because they're going to you know there's a tendency that I've seen a lot that they view being disabled as a negative thing but it's sort of like I'm not denying that I experienced disabling barriers but as a disabled person I recognize that society needs to be able to to address the barriers in life that disable us not us being the problem and not us being the kind of root of the problem it's society that can help shift it and if we're able to view society in that way and be able to have open you know to be open-minded you can really learn from one another um there is no one size fits all uh, but i think it's also worthwhile just being able to do research being able to just ask these sort of questions i know for especially in a lot of disabled spaces you're going to have people who are going to literally help themselves by either like physically touching you or t- um uh, but they they might mean well but what they don't recognize what they're doing is this that's intrusive um especially as a woman you do not want anyone to touch your body in any shape way or form but the idea is is you just treat people like human you just ask whether they need help they can tell you if they need help and then you move on um someone tells you that something you've done isn't right you acknowledge it you apologize and then you you know you try your best to not be able to do that again Although Tasnim identifies as a disabled person, quote unquote, she says she doesn't find the need to tell people what her impairments are. One of the reasons why I'm probably not a big fan of talking about what my specific impairment is, 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 is the question of do people need to know? Do people need to know what my medical information is? Because that sort of information is private. I very much call myself a disabled person and in spaces that I try and navigate, I feel like, there's no need to like almost basically over explain yourself and who you are and we already under, we understand that from a racialized aspect of it's like you know where where are you from where are you really from you know those sort of questions and I like in, in my experience of kind of making sense of this we see similarities of like oh you're disabled or how disabled are you what can you can you not see and those are things where I think over time we get frustrated with it because you shouldn't have to justify who you are and what, what you can and can't see um, and all of, all of those sort of questions as well I feel like over time I've become a little bit more confident to walk into spaces and just tell people that you know, you don't need to know what my medical history background is, but what you do need to know and what I need, what I need to also communicate is how can you support me? Um, if, for example, there's going to be materials there, I will communicate to you that what I need from you is to be able to put this in larger font. If I'm in a meeting, I'm going to make it clear that what I'm going to, that I'm going to need people to repeat themselves, and that should be enough. If, for example, there's going to be a place that we're going to, and I'm not familiar with it, I'm going to ask, hey, can you meet me at the entrance and we go together, and, and things like that. I think that's something that I'm always conscious of as someone who sort of, had to navigate you know how we talk about our racial identity but also for me how we also you know navigate our disability identity as well and I think for me is this that when we think of access as exclusively a disabled people thing we're getting it wrong every person has preferences in the way that they want to talk about talk to each other how they want to communicate um, and things like that and it's important to recognize that access and ease it applies to us all not a specifically a disabled people matter it was going to help like you know people are going to want to know how is it best to send you information and we're all going to have preferences and different 
different styles. So for me, the more that we almost kind of normalize that because it's not normalized, we end up actually taking an approach that embraces that element of genuine care for each other because we want everyone in this space to feel included um, regardless of who they are. Tasnim reflects upon the various instances in which she has made mistakes in addressing issues related to race or disability and the importance of creating spaces in which people can learn from their mistakes. There are things that I have gotten wrong um, big time that I look back and you're almost sort of cringing. You're like, ah, damn it, why the hell did I say that? I should have known better. Why did I not know better? And, and things like that. But what's really, really helped me in that kind of developmental growing state is that I've had the privilege to be connected to other like-minded, incredible human beings who I, I absolutely wonderfully respect. Um, and they've just played such a big part in me. And in this sort of space, with these people in it, they've made it a safe space to be able to kind of, um, you know, talk to each other, uh, highlight to each other that we might be saying something that's not exactly appropriate, or we might be, without realising, internalising whiteness, internalising ableism in ourselves, but not really recognising that. But what I love about this sort of space is being able to have other people to be able to highlight, you know, this is what you are doing, whether you unconsciously or not consciously, but but also there's also that learning together approach because they've been in a similar situation in this sort of space. It's also been intergenerational. So I really admire the fact that uh, people have made time and space to be able to explain these things to me because naturally I think our tendency is to get defensive when someone tells you you're doing something wrong but I think when you know that the people around you are saying it from a place of actual care and you can trust them I think that for me is really important I don't think there's ever such thing as a safe space per se but I think it's also just recognizing that these sort of conversations don't come easy and we should be open to learning and holding ourselves accountable, recognising that, you know, we're not always going to get it right. We're here to learn. And I don't think that journey ever, ever stops. Like, I am 28 right now and I just think to myself, in about a decade's time, even if I've been, even if I'm going to be doing this work for basically the rest of my life, we'll see. Um, I don't think I'm ever, I, I don't ever want to get complacent with the things that I know or assume that I know, you know, what's right, what's wrong, and things like that. A lot of it is always going to be based on community-related experience and community engagement, but I also feel like the moment that we think to ourselves, oh, that we know a lot about this, I think that's where we end up going down the wrong path. Against the background of her experiences, Tazan says what she thinks it takes to create inclusive spaces everywhere. I think what's more really important is to just be able to create a space where it is open. Um, that's not always going to be easy because I think whatever situation you're in, there's always going to be the dynamics of lots of things going on. If you're someone's manager, you have to recognise the power dynamics that go in there. If there's a young person joining a group or a meeting, you're going to have to recognise that when you're a young person in a space full of lots of very well-seen, established 
people that that's going to cause you know lead to a lot of natural you know very understandably anxiety that's going to be in there you're going to have to understand that be if you're thinking about having a meeting in x y and z and you're conscious that there's other people who are going to you know find that difficult it's about being able to be proactive and look out for each other when i was talking about access and ease and care for each other it's about for everyone it's about understanding how we look out for each other and to be proactive about that um anyone from any kind of like oppressed marginalized background knows that there's a lot more hurdles to bring but what we can do to bring that love and support and trust in there is to be able to look out for each other and to be able to really think about you know is uh, uh, is this person okay and things like that because I think there's been situations where I've seen in meetings and whatsapp groups and stuff like that where you can take a much more empathetic approach to recognize actually is this person going to be okay I can understand how it might make this person and it would, it does wonders being able to just have someone check on you and ask these questions and and, and to see how it's because I think the more we give love my hope is this that the more we get it back as well I think that is honestly the basis of a lot of the work that I do in a lot of the consultancy things that I do I want to make it want to make the time and effort and energy to actually know people involved in the project because the more we develop those meaningful connections the easier it's going to be to be able to be honest with each other and to recognize that this person might be saying this from you know a place of genuine care even if you know they have certain frustrations at least I understand where they're coming from but being able to have that space being able to those meaningful connections is so so important i think we live in a society that doesn't prioritize that doesn't prioritize getting to know people we live in a world where it's all about outcomes 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 but what we forget to do is be able to be there for each other and when we're able to be there for each other we're able to collectively grow so much further than we can if we end up taking a much more individualistic approach in closing this episode Tasnim shares her aspirations. I absolutely love storytelling. I didn't even realize that I got so into it. Um, a lot of, I mentioned that I did a lot of student activism side of the thing. So a lot of that experience was, you know, convincing people to vote for me so that I would do a good job for people. And I remember really, really thinking about how much in awe I was in so many people's speeches or, and I think a big big passion of mine is because these topics you know they are daunting if you especially look at what's going on in Gaza how do you talk about that in a way that makes you feel like you're informed um, and also recognizing the sort of counter arguments that people are going to say about these sort of things is really important because people are going to be able to be like yeah but this yeah but that and I think maybe that's why I'm not as good as it now but something I know I'm going to look to in the future is to be able to share my opinions a lot more explicitly a lot more in a in in more obvious limelight basically because the more the conversations that are being had and I know I felt this from other people sharing this on Twitter or sharing it on LinkedIn or, or whatever it is that I'm a bit like oh wait the way you just framed it absolutely sums up what I was thinking about it I just didn't have the words for it and I want to be able to help people in that sort of sense as well because it's such a complex topic to talk about these are complicated things and there's a lot of hesitancy to put yourself out there but I also know that the more you put yourself out there the more you're going to be subject to a lot of criticism hopefully 
not all of it is actually going to be in good faith. That's something that you have to acknowledge. There's going to be some not so great comments. I've had them come my way and that's quite challenging. But I think being able to have debates is so important. If we don't have the space to be able to kind of challenge things, we end up only having one way of working, one right way of thinking about a certain situation. But we need to be able to be open to debate in a way that is not harmful, that does not evoke violence, that does not evoke hate that does not put any kind of community at risk and things like that but the way that the way the way in which the world works is challenging so i can see why people wouldn't be as uh, confident putting yourself out there so i think something that i do aspire to in the future is being able to write a lot more being able to put a lot more out there being able to support others to be able to voice their opinions a lot more all in a very supportive empowering way You can find more information about Tazan's work, as well as articles, books, and videos Tazan recommends people to take a look at on racism and disability on our website, www.ourcontext.org. You can also find the transcript of this episode on our website in English, French, German, and Italian. If you have a personal story to share, reach out to us on our website, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us by typing in hashtag our underscore racism. This is Fumi and Hashtag Our Racism. See you next month on February 7th. This episode was produced and edited by me, Fumi. Music by Pete Morse, Crescent Music and Fugu Vibes. This podcast is powered by the Competence Center for Diversity and Inclusion at the University of Sangadan. A big warm thank you to Tasnim for her time and energy in sharing with us her stories and invaluable reflections on this issue.